0: Welcome to another exciting episode of Mission Compliance, unleashing growth potential for defense contractors. In today's episode, we continue down the road of understanding CMMC, its regulations, and controls. Up next is AC.L2-3.1.7, Prevent non-privileged Users from Executing Privileged Functions and Audit the Execution of Such Functions. We'll break down what this control means, why it matters, and how it impacts your organization's cybersecurity posture. We'll also provide practical insights and strategies for achieving compliance and securing your systems effectively. So whether you're a defense contractor aiming to win more contracts or simply someone interested in bolstering your cybersecurity knowledge, you're in the right place. Let's ride. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of On Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC professional assessor. Thanks for joining us, Mike.
1: Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. You know, and it's good to know
0: that, that for, 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 for our listeners that this podcast isn't going anywhere because we are determined to get through all of these controls, and there are 110 of them, and
1: we're only on number seven, so we're going to be here a while. Um, That's, right. That's right. If you didn't think that it was hard enough to comply with this... You know uh hundreds and hundreds of, you know 100 110 controls to get through and uh boy so much really awesome content we've already put out there
0: exactly so mike last time when we talked about these controls we talked about 3.1.6 which talked about non-privileged accounts and how to differentiate them when performing non-crucial functions this week we're sidestepping that slightly and talking about preventing non-privileged users from performing privileged functions so Why is it important to prevent non-privileged accounts uh, from performing privileged functions?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think the easiest way to really understand this is in any system, whether it be QuickBooks or, you know, Microsoft Windows or whatever it may be, you're going to typically have standard users and you're going to have administrators and then you're going to have the in-between users who have their own, you know, various sort of roles or privileges. What this control is really all about is making sure that the people who are in charge of information security understand what it is that is possible within their system by what kind of user. Uh, So as a great example, you know, uh, ultimately with the assessment criteria, the first thing that they want you to do is to determine if privileged functions are defined. They want you to demonstrate that you know what it is that your system can do. So, for instance, if you're a you know uh, an administrator within Windows, Group Policy defines what administrators uh, can do, security groups do, permissions do, all those things. Um, so, you know, a, a sample answer there might be privileged functions are defined within each individual system. They are authorized users have access. Uh, authorized users have access to uh, examples include a file system may have certain permissions. Um, You know, standard users can access some things and maybe administrators can access uh, some other things that standard users can't. Those things have to be defined. Uh, Security groups, organizational units, user permission levels within different systems. Um, Another great example is like, let's take a system like, I don't know, let's say like HubSpot or something like that. HubSpot has various settable permission levels for each individual user. It's all fully customizable. Uh, you've just got to be able to demonstrate to an assessor that you know what those things are or can at least bring them to a screen that will show them uh, you know, what those functions are. Why is this so important? Well, because if you don't know what users are actually capable of in your various systems, they may be able to get uh, access to CUI when they're not supposed to have it. And that's, that's, the, that's the primary sort of goal of what this control is, is making sure the users don't have uh, the ability to execute privileged functions that would allow them access to information they shouldn't have. And then the second piece of the the control is the audit, the execution of those functions. Again, it's basically sort of mandating that you have something like a SIEM system to be able to catch those interactions and be able to say, wait a minute, what is B Smith, the user B Smith, who's a standard user, how did they get into this place and then catch that so that you can fix that or figure out if there's been a breach or just exactly what happened. So two parts is, the definition of, uh, or rather, the preventing of the capability. But then the second one is logging all executions of the capability so that you can catch execution that just shouldn't be there. Um, so great, great question. Did I did I adequately address all of that?
0: Yeah, I think I think you did a did a good job. Just the importance of of preventing the non-privileges, So I think you nailed it. Uh, this this control is as we said is about limiting functions to only those that users have a need to perform and uh so so with that in mind and what you just said what are the key assessment points that an assessor would be looking for on this one
1: yeah terrific question so uh, there's actually four assessment points uh that they're going to be looking for so number one is determining if privileged functions are defined and we just did that in my last answer The second thing is determining if non-privileged users are defined. Um, In other words, are you defining who all of your users are? Seems pretty simple, right? It's it's really more or less built in. They just want an answer in the plan. So non-privileged users are defined via their membership role. Uh, So maybe they're in a standard user organizational unit. That's a great example out of Active Directory. Uh, And then another one is user account type. So it could be user account type if you're a standard user or an administrative user. Maybe you are a... Um, you know, enterprise admin versus a standard user. You know, those are all different types of user accounts. Uh, The third one is determine if non-privileged users are prevented from executing privileged functions. So again, do we know that because they are a certain kind of user, like let's say a standard user, that the standard user group didn't accidentally get permission to execute things that they shouldn't, like user permission grants. Uh, you know, an answer might be non-privileged users are prevented from executing privileged functions via group policy, file system permissions, and user access capabilities within each individual system. You know, so again, uh, a non-privileged user would be prevented from executing things like deleting files, for instance, or rolling back something that an accountant did in QuickBooks, maybe. Uh, you know, who has a higher level of access to delete things. Um, Final assessment point, determine if the execution of privileged functions is captured in audit logs. Um, and so this kind of goes off to a whole nother issue, which is you got to have a SIEM system. So many controls within NIST SP-800-171 cannot be met without a security information and event management system monitoring the log files from those endpoints, servers, and even firewalls sometimes are necessary. So you have to make sure that you've got that in place. And a failure to have a seam system in place and monitoring logs is definitely going to equate to a failure in the control execution. So uh, that's what they're—that's what the assessors are looking for on this one. And, and again, we've given some pretty solid sample answers uh, for a typical Windows environment.
0: Right, and we and we've talked about this before. All of this starts with defining who your privileged users are and and who they aren't. And and privileged users are often those who are. In positions like managers heads of department c-suite employees maybe a few it people here and there Uh, what what challenges might organizations face when trying to implement and enforce this control effectively
1: you know that's an interesting question i i have to tell you we don't have very many issues uh with clients implementing this um generally speaking the real challenge is documentation um, their systems are probably built to do this out of the box, like all windows systems are, uh, as an example. So if you're running simple windows server, active directory, even if it's just, you know, one or two computers and they've got their own local login systems, uh, you know, this is taken care of for you. Uh, the key is you've got to be able to document and show it to an assessor. So that is really where section two of the system security plan comes into place. You're required by law to document your network periodically and update it. And uh, if you've got that documentation, it should show what users have access to what, what users are at what permission levels. Um, And a failure to do that is going to be a failure to meet the control. So I don't really see a lot of issues uh, implementing this. I see a lot of issues documenting this. Um, a lot of even mid-sized companies really just do not have the level of network documentation that they need to have on hand, uh, you know. Because hey, look, if the worst-case scenario happens and you lose an Active Directory server or something, how are you going to put all those users back? Who are you even? Get, how are you even going to know who the users were? What do you? How, how do you know what they had permission to? Um, there's just all kinds of scenarios. Of course, the doomsday scenario of ransomware as well is another one. Uh, you've just really got to you've got to have things properly documented. It just makes troubleshooting so much easier. And, well, it's the law, so, you know, that that part makes it pretty easy, too.
0: Well, there you have it. Uh, and with that, you know what time it is. Uh, it's time to get a little bit silly. So uh, if 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 there was a non-privileged user in the Avengers who didn't get all the same access as the other heroes, who do you think that would be?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Um... Boy, is Ant Man an Avenger? Yeah. Okay, I think it would probably be Ant Man. I don't think Ant Man gets access to nearly enough stuff. He's just so small.
0: <laughs> that's 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 probably pretty true. My th- my thinking on that was uh was the Hulk because you know you you may not want somebody with uh such severe anger issues to have uh access to some of the more
1: important things. <laughs> Yeah, and you definitely wouldn't want any of the bad guys uh, getting access they Oh, either. definitely not. You know, their, uh, their moral compass is a little bit sideways, and uh, we don't want any kind of, uh, you know, uh, accidental transfers of information.
0: Yeah, the bad guy, the bad guys getting access to privileged information, that's literally how the movies start. So it's just, it's you know, it's it's the best thing to let the Avengers protect it, but maybe not give all of them access to everything, because... You might have some that are a little too small to handle it. You might have some that are a little too angry and green to handle it, but you do what you can. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right.
0: And with that, it wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us to talk about privileged accounts, non-privileged users, and Avengers. Thanks, Mike.
1: Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. Glad to do it. But the conversation
0: doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new episodes are released and we truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. everybody.